It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 139. Let's roll, people. And uh, man, oh man, I've like the, one of the best guests I could ever have on this show. And I know I've got a lot, a lot of new listeners this week. This is the actual week, I guess, that we we find ourselves on the Player Profiler Network feed. That is exciting news. Uh, grateful to anybody who's tuning in for the first time. We have a lot of longtime listeners, folks. Welcome to the program. It is a lot of fun. Uh, it's you know, it's just every week I usually have a, a new guest. Sometimes I'll have repeat guests, of course. I do have some teammates that I have uh, and partners at the Undroppables that do shows with me. But this week, I have a very special guest, someone who who I could talk about anything with, you know, best ball, dynasty, uh, redraft, film, <laughs> um, you know, the old days. We could talk about the old days, us two old fogies. No, he's he's a young man. Mr. Pat Fitzmorris is joining me on the program. You can find Pat on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Uh, Pat is the managing editor over at Fantasy Pros. Y'all know him. He was actually just recently on the Sonic Truth show with uh, with Matt and did the mock draft show. If you can remember him from there, Mr. Pat Fitzmorris. What's going on, buddy? Mr. Jax Falcone, so good to be joining you. Uh, not only are you one of the, the nicest guys on uh, Fantasy Twitter, um, great analyst. We've Thank had you. you on the uh, Fantasy Pros Dynasty podcast. And uh, for my money, I mean, you have the coolest avatar on Twitter. You Thank know, you. Leon from The Professional. I assume that's what your, your film reference was. For and, sure. Uh, you know, we expressed our mutual admiration for that movie uh, when you were on my podcast a few weeks ago and um yeah i mean it is just one of the all-time great movies if anyone has somehow not seen that movies i mean uh a, a young natalie portman <laughs> uh gary oldman just one of the all-time great villain turns oh. in cinematic history yes uh, just such an amazing movie and uh, you, of course the the siege on the apartment uh yes. scene at the end is one of the amazing 
uh, scenes of all time. So, and, and and really, it's like it it just tiptoes around one of the you know like most egregious things in our in our society, right? You know, but it it somehow does so with grace. You know, the fact that he falls in love with her and she's a child, but she falls in love with him, but neither one is seeking that out. And of course, there's nothing weird, you know, too weird, I guess. But, you know, if you've ever watched the extended cut, it gets a little bit even stranger. Um, the whole idea that this beautiful young actress, Natalie Portman, they, you know, in, 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 in some of the interviews about the movie, you know, her parents are were very concerned with the script and, you know, it was a it was a difficult script to do, um, but it's such a great movie for that reason. You know, I saw it as a young person. You know, I was you know probably in my teens and sort of, you know, it, it just was so striking and and so shocking. And of course, you know, um, Jean Renault is is like perfect in the role. He's he's a simpleton who will fucking kill you. You know what I mean? But yeah. he but he doesn't want to kill anybody. He does it because he has to, but he's the perfect machine. And it's just, I mean, it's just amazing. It's an absolute, you know, uh, mind bend of a movie. I absolutely love it. Yeah, absolute masterpiece. Can't recommend it highly enough. If, if someone hasn't seen it yet, go check it out for sure. You will be blown away. Yeah, of course. Of course, your avatar also kind of another badass too, huh? <laughs> That's right. Braun the Brave. Uh, you know, like, and I yeah, do Braun love Braun, Brave man. Because he was like, so yeah, yeah, we're... <clears throat> This great hired gun warrior, but who, you know, just doesn't really want to fight. He'd rather drink and, like, go off. He, he just wanted to, like, get money and get a, a spot of land somewhere and, you know, be a lord somewhere. Like, he he didn't want to be this, uh, you know, badass swordsman, but that was just kind of his fate. Sounds like a simile for uh, our, our avatars. You know, they, they're very similar. They'll kill you. We just don't want to. But, you know, if I have to, I will. <laughs> exactly. I just want you to know that. I'm a, I'm a nice guy. You know, I'm a simple guy. I just want to, you know, relax. And But, hey, if you make me, I'll kill you. <laughs> well said. Thank you. Um, speaking of killing it, um, you know, I had a, I, I, I had a take all, all rookie season. I'm going to victory lap real quick. And I'm going to victory lap right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yes, and victory lapping I will do because I, all off season, had been, uh, you know, saying that I would draft of the quarterbacks that go in rookie drafts, round four, round five, I was saying draft Clayton Toon because he has a chance to start. And uh, it was funny because some moron on Twitter was like, oh, so now we're celebrating just if a guy starts 
And it's like, yeah, kind of. Because if you look at all the other quarterbacks who are drafted in the fourth and fifth rounds of your rookie drafts, whether it's the pretty Jake Hayner or Aiden O'Connell or whomever, all these other guys, right? If they don't start, then that pick doesn't gain any value. But if Toon is announced the starter, even just announced the starter, he has now increased in value. And if you can turn a fourth or a fifth into a third or, dare I say, a second future, second, even just at that moment but when he announces that he's, that that he's the starter – that's profit. And if you're profiting like that with all of your fourth and fifth round picks, you're going to dominate leagues. Now, you can't always do that, but if you can, that's winning. And so that's the victory lap on Clayton Toon. It's not that he's good or not. I have still zero idea if this kid's any good, but I do think he has a shot at starting. And for that reason, we can all be pretty excited if you're rostering Clayton Toon. What do you yeah, think? I, I like it, man. I mean, I. So we know the hit rate on the players we're drafting in the fourth and fifth round of rookie drafts is yeah. not good. I mean, no. we're you know getting excited about uh, Kayshawn Booty or uh, Zach Evans or Dwayne McBride or but like just the guys who get drafted in the sixth or seventh round of the NFL draft likely are not long for the NFL. Bingo. We just kind of know that, and in tune, you're getting a guy who could very plausibly be the week one starter for the Arizona Cardinals. And and what incentive do they have to not play him? I mean, they're, they're tanking this exactly. season. They, they drafted this guy. Like, could he be a, a backup for them? Could he be the backup to Caleb Williams <laughs> right. uh, in the future or Drake may or whoever they're going to draft after this terrible season they're going to have. Um, so yeah, why not, why not throw him out there and see what he can do? And I think doesn't, isn't Colt McCoy dealing with some sort of neck injury or like, yes, he's also he's dealing with concussion issues. And, yes. He's dealing yeah. with a lot of issues, including not being good at football anymore, that as too. well as wanting to get into broadcasting, which is a great move. He's made all the money. He should literally be like, yep, I'm done because he, he's made all the money without having to go injure himself or put himself at risk. If he goes out there now, what for? Shitty team with right. like no chance of him you know, really attaining any glory. He's just a placeholder who's going to get mopped every week. Get me the hell out of there. If I'm, if I'm Colt McCoy, I wouldn't want to even play. You, it's not like you're going to earn a new contract with this shit team. So absolutely, they're incentivized to play uh, Clayton Toon. Clayton Toon's incentivized to play because, man, if he's good, he can earn some money. But Colt McCoy can't earn any more money. He's all done. And, you know, and you're right that from the team perspective, this is a mail it in season. Um, so, yeah, for all those reasons, they should be incentivized to play Clayton Toon. And, and then if by some miracle, he's a Dak Prescott level player or something like that. Because like he's good. You know, Brock Purdy, all of a sudden he shows himself as being like, damn, this kid's actually pretty good. Like then you really have something. I would actually suggest selling him. As soon as you get any sort of, you know, now or at any point in the future that you get anything worth anything. There's a couple other players that we can maybe touch on before we move on. But like Puka Nakua might have some, uh, you know, some asymmetrical upside right now. Michael Wilson post-trade and also for the same reasons we just mentioned with Clayton Toon uh, of Nook uh, has some opportunity. And the other one that you mentioned is Dwayne McBride, uh, who now with Dalvin Cook gone, you know, We'll get there with the Dwayne McBride one. But what do you think about the two wide receivers? 
Yeah. Um, so with Naku and Wilson, I mean, these two guys who I think maybe could have been drafted earlier and maybe yep. could have been held in higher esteem by the dynasty community if they had been able to stay healthy. Yes. Both of these guys had major injury issues in college, and that's kind of why. Like, yes. I mean, Wilson Wilson played so little in college. Like, I had yep. to, like, you know, study this guy because I just, <laughs> like, I didn't didn't watch him. And, I, like, I like watching college football, and I just was totally unfamiliar with Michael Wilson. And then, you know, it's like, oh, here's when he was healthy. It looked pretty good. Yeah. And the guy, the guy looks like he's, you know, built like Adonis. Um, yes. So, which makes him interesting on a team with a lot of small wide receivers, so. Yes, and we'll we'll maybe get there too. I think uh, as uh, as we are um, moving moving right on down the sheet, DeAndre Hopkins, this just in, did uh, move on from the Arizona Cardinals, and I'm not sure exactly where he's going to uh, play, and we can talk about that in a moment. But uh, you know, I think Marquise Brown. I I do projections. We talked about a little bit before the show. I do projections every year and it's, I literally finished, uh, last night. I literally finished my, you know, and it's like version one. So I, I go back and I fix them up, but you know, just sort of team by team I go through and it's a chore, but like, you know, sometimes there'll be a guy who's like way up on in, like in the rankings. They're not my rankings. They're just projections, but they create rankings after you're done. And one of the guys that surprised me was Marquise Brown way up there. I think it's just because of projected target share. I mean, he just should be getting a lot of looks because there's not much behind him. Whatever is behind him, though, I got to ask you, I want to talk about that the ambiguous target shares of some of the teams that are out there because here's what I was thinking. And when I, when I told you about this show I wanted to do with you, I was like, you know, we kind of know like T. Higgins is going to be at like 22% or 20, you know, he's going he's to get like 110, 120 targets. <clears throat> Jamar Chase is going to get 25 to 28, maybe 30% of the targets. He's going to get 150 targets. Like, it's a solved equation. We kind of know what Tyler Boyd is and yada, yada. You know, there's certain teams that we – there's not much value to reap from those, uh, from those uh, you know, passing games. But there are some where, man, the targets got to go somewhere. And I know a lot of people, when they hear that or think that, they think, Oh, that means someone's going to get a lot. It's not always the case. Sometimes you have one guy who gets it all and everybody else is just kind of shit anyway. But there are guys who can emerge from that and we can find value. Uh, One of those teams is the aforementioned uh, Arizona Cardinals and Michael Wilson. Do you think there's anybody else there that could actually show themselves for for Arizona? I mean, maybe Rondell Moore. If he can stay healthy, and that's been an issue. Like, I mean, I I fell in love with that guy when he was an 18-year-old freshman at Purdue and had, like, the the 1,400-yard season and 14 touchdowns and basically beat Ohio State by himself, more or less. Um, So, like, if if, I want to see what it looks like for Rondell Moore in an offense that's not being directed by Cliff Kingsbury. Like, because I just I, I don't think Kingsbury ever had a good idea of how to use Rondell Moore, and I want to see like with with someone else uh, designing the offense, like what that looks like. Because I am intrigued by him, and just to your greater point yeah. on this, like I, I could not agree with you more. Like where we look at these sort of ambiguous, <clears throat> or, or not even ambiguous in some cases, but just like thin pass catching groups. Vacant, right. Yeah, Yeah, like the Titans. I mean, everyone's like, you know, we're looking at Traylon Burks and a lot of people are high on 
Traylon Burks and the analysis is sort of like, well, who else is going to catch passes there? But I mean, that's kind of an important question. Who else is going to catch? What if <laughs> yes. Traylon Burks sprains his MCL in week one? <laughs> right. Like, I mean, you know, like we should be, should we be looking at Kyle Phillips? Like, yes. especially in Dynasty, where we've got these big rosters. And if, you know, it's redraft and we can only draft 16 or 18 guys, okay, you know, we're probably not drafting Kyle Phillips. But in Dynasty, Shit, I kind of want Kyle Phillips on my team just in 100%. case because I feel like he could be the windfall guy if, you know, Traylon Burks got hurt or Chigo Conquo didn't pan out or got hurt. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there will be someone. So it's wise to ask those questions. I'm, I'm intrigued by Michael Wilson, like if he can stay healthy because yes. he is kind of yes. a size guy there. Like, Because I'm wary of Marquise Brown. And right. I think we are going to see a lot of people – making the point on Twitter about how when DeAndre Hopkins was serving that PED suspension last year, for those six weeks, Marquise Brown was the wide receiver five in PPR. But at the same time, the only good pass defense he played during that stretch was the Eagles. And he had a nice game against the Eagles, like eight catches, 78 yards, a touchdown. But the other five teams Hollywood faced during that stretch, uh, here's where they ranked in DVOA against the pass. 17th, 20th, 24th, 27th, and 31st. So it was a bunch of shitty pass defenses. Right. So I'm, I don't want to give him too much credit for that. I mean, like, four seasons he's played, he's finished three of them with fewer than 800 yards, and the only season where he averaged better than 60 receiving yards a game was 2021. Like, his his efficiency numbers for his career, 7.2 yards per target, 1.67 yards per route run, those aren't great, and you know the efficiency isn't going to get a boost by no. you know playing with rookie quarterback Clayton Tune for yes. ten games or whatever it's going to be. So, yes. uh, like I, plus he's kind of a small guy. Like if he's consistently getting seven to ten targets a game, is this dude going to be able to hold up? Right. So Good I, point. like I've got issues with Marquise Brown. Like I'm not as enthusiastic as as some other people seem to be. Yeah, I would agree with that entirely. Even when I did my projections and he did well in the projections, there's no ceiling from that. Because, like, I think I even projected him for seven touchdowns just because I – 150 targets, seven touchdowns. And it's like, well, is it more likely he gets to, like, 12 or two touchdowns? It's like two. You know, it's like, how the fuck is he going to get to 12? They may not get to 12 passing touchdowns as a team. You know, it's like – so, like, yeah, the upside isn't really there. You you look for upside in the the better offenses, which was kind of – I'm glad you mentioned it because it was going to be my sort of counterpoint, but you stole it. That's how good you are, Um, which is that probably it's nobody in Arizona. You know, I would ask, like, the question, like, you know, it's funny how it is. You know, Jonathan Mingo was going, like, early second round a lot of these rookie drafts, but for 2023, this year – you know, who would you rather have, Jonathan Mingo or Michael Wilson? It's like, well, that's pretty close, isn't it? Yeah, it is kind of close. I mean, I think, and I'm just sort of partial to Mingo. Ooh. Like, I, I I watch that dude, and I'm like, this guy could be like an Anquan Bolton, like a faster yes. Anquan Bolden. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's kind of a bully. Uh, yes. Just like a, a big dude, and then, man, when he ran, uh, you know, whatever it was, 4.46 or whatever at the combine, I was just, which I didn't expect at all. I thought he was going to run like, I think Anquan Bolden ran like a 4.7 at his combine or whatever, and yeah. I thought Mingo was going to be like a slower 40 guy too, but that wasn't the case. Big hands, I think he had the se- second biggest hands of all the receivers at the combine. Um, like a guy who 
is not going to have any issues dealing with press coverage in the yeah. NFL. He's and just got more bodies to climb over, you know, with you know, Terrace Marshall. Look, Terrace Marshall was Jonathan Mingo before Jonathan Mingo was Jonathan Mingo. You know what I mean? It's like Good point. I mean, they're both kind of like guys, second rounder. You know, they're they're just guys. I don't even know. I'm not looking, but I bet you they're pretty close to the same age too, which is kind of crazy. I know Terrace was a pretty young prospect. All that being said, it's like he's got Terrace, he's got LaVisca Chenault, who for me it's kind of like LaVisca and you know Mingo are very similar. And then you got the two veterans in Thielen and, and Chark. And I'm, you know, look, what are the odds that both those guys stay healthy all year? Pretty low, as you point out. But, you know, in in, in Arizona, and, and I don't know if that offense is going to necessarily be that pass happy. I would certainly take, of course, the Bryce Young-led offense with that offensive line and that, that system over Arizona. Clearly, I'm not comparing. But, you know, it's not like it's not top 10 either. You know, it's still middling. Um, and so the, the, the pass game isn't that exceptional. In Arizona, though, but a guy like Michael Wilson could just literally be playing like every snap, like like literally could be out there and, and, and second on the team in targets like that's it's almost like I, I don't know. I have a harder time not putting him there than putting him there. So that's the thing with Michael Wilson for me. You know, as you point out too, huge injury risk, he's been injured like literally every year, sometimes multiple times in the same season. He'd play, get hurt, come back, play, get hurt, come back like it was ridiculous. He was always hurt. So that's a problem, but he was drafted in the third round. So clearly the medicals checked out, right? You know, we see the guys with the medicals fall, Sean Tucker, right, etc. We see those guys, uh, you know, fall out of favor in the, in the NFL draft. So I think something at least checked out with Michael Wilson. We can move on from Michael Wilson, unless you got something else to, to say about that, that Arizona team, although I've got one more too. What about Trey McBride? Yeah, um, and I think like – Injury optimism on Zach Ertz would probably be misplaced. Right. Uh, an older guy who had a multi-ligament tear later in the season. Um, so I do think there is going to be a nice runway for Trey McBride to maybe get some targets early in the season. Yeah. Again, the quality of those targets coming from not either good. Colt McCoy or Clayton Toon, probably not great. But at least I think we're going to see him uh, with pretty big snap shares and uh, hopefully target chairs, too, this year. So, yeah, he's interesting. You know, in the games that he uh, started last year, um, I think it was the last seven he started, he averaged five targets a game, you know, as a rookie. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and if you look at, like, his overall season, his yards per route run were, were pretty bad. His targets per route run were pretty bad. But he was playing, you know, a few snaps, maybe – I don't remember, it was like 20, 20 something percent, 30 maybe percent of the snaps uh, when Zach Ertz was playing, but he was the ancillary tight end. They weren't drawing anything up for him. You know what I mean? So he was running a lot of empty routes. And then that sort of ramped up uh, toward the end of the season when he was actually, you know, in the Zach Ertz role. And now he's got a full off season as the guy. He was the consensus tight end one in that class. Um, he was a mega producer at the college level. I just think there are way worse bets than Trey McBride to break out in a year two, especially on a team that is quote unquote rebuilding. Me and um, me and Billy Musio had had both had the same take that wouldn't if Zach Ertz comes all the way back and he's like ready to go, who, who doesn't want him to be traded, right? Zach Ertz right. would want to be traded. Arizona again for the same reasons we just mentioned doesn't need any more good players, especially old good players. We're trying to tank, like he doesn't suit us. So I would imagine they'd want to trade him away and get anything back. 
and let Zach Ertz go see if he can win something somewhere, you know, somewhere else. Yeah, that's a great point. Let, let me ask you something about McBride, and this is just kind of uh, going off on a tangent here. Yeah. But um, with last year's tight end class being kind of poor, um, and, and this year's tight end class being pretty strong, where in this year's class, if Trey McBride had been part of it, approximately where do you think he would have slotted in? He would have been right there at the top. I mean, I think he would have been very, very close. Uh, I would have had him in and around Laporta. Yeah. So Don't you Kincaid, think? Kincaid first and then around Laporta and Mayer. Yep. Yep. Probably you would have had him maybe ahead of Laporta and Mayer. It's hard to do that, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that so hard? It is. Um, it is. But it I think is. around there because, you know, his draft capital was similar. His production was great. So, yeah, um, he'd be right there. I actually have Laporta over Mayer. So, for me, I've been kind of fading Mayer. I might grow to regret that. You know, I've got a lot of regrettable things I've done in Dynasty. Anybody who's played Dynasty has regrets. There's no such thing as, oh, no, I've picked them all perfect. So I've I've faded Mayer a little bit because I like Musgrave, too. So I've been able to just sort of take a a, a different type of player, running back or or wide receiver, where Mayer's going. And then, you know, the next round, like often in the third round, Musgrave is there. Musgrave running with the ones – um, I think Musgrave is going to be a good player. I really do. Nice. Yeah, so. you, you mentioned the regrets. I have one with Trey, McGr- Trey McBride. I had to trade him away for Teddy Bridgewater last year because I had a, a concerning QB hole after Tua Tungavailoa got hurt for a team that you know <sighs> I consider to be a championship contender. I trade McBride for Teddy Bridgewater, and that was the game where Teddy Bridgewater got hurt, like on the first drop back. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yes. so basically I just gave away – Trey McBride for nothing. Yeah, you know that's painful. a that's a great dynasty uh, because you just learn something. I think, and that is that sometimes rentals are not the best buys. No, no. you know you'd almost be better off packaging something more to go even further up at quarterback. You know, uh, yes. getting a sure thing, if you will. I mean, there's no such thing as a sure thing. Anybody can get hurt as as Teddy did, but. Um, you know, it's not like Teddy was necessarily going to win you anything. You were literally looking for security. Well, maybe getting a, to a Kirk Cousins or, you know, something in that realm would have been a little bit, uh, you know, m- you know, smarter, I guess, or whatever, just more effective. Um, but uh, sometimes that's not always – that's easier said than done, right? Yeah, but that that was a hard lesson learned, and I think you were right. I should have aimed a little bit higher and been willing to part with a little more. Right, because then you still lost the you, you lost twice. You know, it's like funny. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other the other team that I think now when we talk about the sort of the polar opposite of Arizona, where there is significant upside to the ambiguity, is the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. So we know that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to target Travis Kelsey a lot, but they're also going to throw it a lot. So that means there's a shit pot of targets remaining for a bunch of guys who've done nothing in the NFL, like literally, and like n- nothing. There's not a single guy that you can point to and go, no, no, he's going to command X amount of target, like none of them. And so that means that there's going to be huge swings and misses on these guys and probably, more than likely, swings in absolute home runs with one of them or maybe multiple. What do you think? I do think that um... – yeah, it's going to be hard to figure out who does it here. Like, I'm really interested in Kadarius Tony. Like, I mean, just the fact that he 
he has drawn a target on 17.3% of all his snaps yep. in his two seasons in the end, which is fucking crazy. That includes running plays. Yeah. So, like, if, if he's on the field, he is getting targets. Yes. But, like, I also don't see him being, like, a 90% snap share guy for the Chiefs. Right. And, I mean, like, the concern is that he's another Percy Harvin, Bingo. another Florida guy who's an extraordinary athlete who just couldn't stay healthy. Yep. And so far we've seen in just two seasons, I mean, like, Tony's injured every body part imaginable, and he got COVID twice in the same season. Sheesh. I mean, like, this guy is just, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of risk there, but I'm intrigued by what he could do if he could somehow stay healthy in the Chiefs offense because he's just, there aren't many guys who move like that guy. Like, he is a special athlete. Yep. And I'm I'm kind of intrigued by Sky Moore, like, I've kind of changed my tune on him over the last few months. I think I've let my colleague Derek Brown at Fantasy Pros talk me into him. And maybe, I don't know, Jax, you mentioned how, like, we're kind of older dudes. And, uh, you know, you probably remember a time, um, you know, back before the advent of Dynasty and we were just playing redraft where everyone knew that, like, rookie wide receivers were terrible bats for fantasy. right. Right? I mean, it's only, like, the last 10 years or so where we're (laughs) getting these, like, great rookie performances and now... You know, with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and these dudes hitting the ground running immediately. Like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, expecting these top, the first round wide receivers to pop right away. Yes. But, like, maybe Sky Moore is just one of those guys who, like so many wide receivers from yesteryear, didn't pop right away and needed a year or two to get their, their feet under them and to, to figure it out. So. I think a lot of the small school guys uh, that that can make a lot of sense. You know, right. one of the one of the reasons that I surmise that that has changed is you know the spread offense in college. I mean, if you go back yes. far enough, they used to just run like power eye. You know what I mean? It would yeah, be like yes. there'd be like two fullbacks, two tight ends, and a back. You'd be like, all right, let's uh, let's grind them up. You know, and they'd just run for six yards a pop. Michigan, Ohio State would end three to six. You know. So there wasn't as much of that. There was also not as much of the sort of the the camp culture where, you know, guys are playing year round. They're doing all sorts of, you know, the even in high school, like all the AAU stuff and all the, you know, just the, the infrastructure around the quarterback receiver. They just get so many more reps by the time they go to go to the NFL. It is not even close. The amount of routes run and and targets that Justin Jefferson had before he went to the NFL is like so much more than the average wide receiver, you know, in, in 1995, you know? Um, so that has changed big time. And I think there's something to be said for that, you know, with some of the Jalen Tolberts and Sky Moore, I think actually uh, Matt had mentioned that I've said that a few times. I looked at Sky Moore, like in that, in that Kansas city offense. And sometimes you look in his eyes and he looks scared to me. Like he literally looked yeah. overwhelmed. And so he probably was, I mean, <laughs> you know, now the question is, that's not good. You know, so is that like temporary or is that going to be like he's just not the guy? I lean towards look, I was way overweight on Sky Moore. I missed um, because I didn't see that in college, right? So I didn't know about that. Now, look, I would lean now that he's more likely not the guy. But I also, dude, Kadarius Tony has been a through line through this show, this podcast forever. Uh, I, you know, sort of semi famously called him Cadaver the Tony because he was dead to me. <laughs> Um, you, you know, and, and for me, it's all about, you know, hail to the king, you know, Matthew Berry. I don't hate players. I hate ADPs. I said I, I thought he was like, you know, he got me excited like Lynn Bowden did. 
and then you know Lynn Bowden was like a late third, and this guy was a first round pick. I was like, no, 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 he's not a first round pick. Now I affectionately call Kadarius Tony Pinocchio because he's not a real boy. He's not a real wide receiver. You know, he's 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 just not real. He's he's an athlete, a football player, an incredibly electric player. The injuries are a concern, but I'm also concerned that Kadarius Tony just isn't an every down player. And one of the reasons that he has such a high target rate, as you point out is because um, they scheme him. And why wouldn't you scheme his ass? Because every time he touches the ball, it's like, oh, shit, this guy's a problem to tackle. So he is all those things, but I'm not sure he's a real boy, if you know what I mean. I'm not sure he is a nuanced wide receiver, and I'm not sure that that's why New York moved on from him, because they felt like it's just too much of a project, and I don't think they were looking for that. I think in Kansas City they were happy to take it on, and then they've surrounded – Kadarius Tony with a lot of different options and that's kind of my fear now the other one that could be someone who is from a big school has the pedigree was the number one wide receiver in his class when he was a freshman and then had a lot of problems is Justin Ross my boy Scott Barrett absolutely loves Justin Ross uh, and we're in a dynasty league together, and I did semi-fleece him for Justin Ross. I picked him in the startup and then traded him. It was fair. It was fine. We just did a little pick swap, but like he was like, dude, how dare you pick Justin Ross? I mean, so there's some there's some some guys I really know, trust in this industry, who think that Justin Ross is actually going to be a thing. If he's who he was, look, the, there's the ceiling play for me, especially at cost. What are your thoughts there? He was a big time prospect. If if the medicals are not a concern at all, like, and that's that's the thing. I think the medical stuff, with uh, you know, was it it was like was it neck or spine? I yeah, I forget probably what all it was. of it. I, I don't so, know. So yeah, I mean, like that's concerning stuff for sure. Yes. And but like right now, I mean, he's just so cheap. Yes. Um, like I think he's rostered in pretty much every dynasty league because there's yes. at least one shrewd person out there who like knows that. Hey, if this former, you know, high-level college prospect, uh, you know, from a, a Power Five conference, paired with Patrick Mahomes, yes. like if, if this works out, this could be very lucrative. But um, you know, at the low price, there's yes. really no risk here. You're thinking like Mike Williams with Justin Herbert. Yep, that's what you're thinking with that's Justin. Ross. That's the ceiling, yeah. you know, and that's a big ceiling for a player of his cost. You know, he could be this sort of outside winner who gets close to 100 target. Now, he could also be out of the league, not make the team, and medically uncleared and all that. Yes, the floor is is zero. I, I You know, when people hear the – got to think range of outcomes. Like, what are the range of outcomes? And with Justin Ross, they're actually – he's got prototypical traits that could make him – that did make him one of the highest level players uh, at, at a given time. And then circumstantially, not because of his performance, circumstantially – fell off that pedestal and is now trying to regain it. I also love cheering for the guy because, I mean, talk about a comeback player of the year, easy slam dunk win if he can get there. That's There's a bet. Go bet that if that's available. Hit the button. Yeah. The odds yeah, there like, are fucking golden. So, it, yeah, it, I mean, that, that's what it is. And and then and then lastly, I mean, you can touch some more on Ross, but they just drafted a guy. Rashi Rice signed him to a four-year deal. He's there. Um, I think he might be the odd man out, especially early on. Um, you know, and I know maybe someone's going, wait, what about MVS? MVS is dog shit. 
And he, he really is only there because of his speed, because he's not a good wide receiver. So that's why it's like I'm looking for a good wide receiver. Is it Rashi Rice? Is it Justin Ross? Is it Sky Moore? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, Rasheed Rice, kind of interesting, although you wonder if like maybe he'll run into the same sort of problem that Sky Moore had with kind of a, a tough adjustment to the level of competition. Yeah. Since he's coming from SMU, I mean, Sky Moore coming from the MAC conference. They were running routes against cornerbacks who were like selling insurance now. Yeah. So, Nothing yeah, against whereas, selling insurance, though. Go chase yeah. your dreams, boys. Chase your dreams. So, like Justin Ross, I mean, if he's healthy, I, I'd bet on Justin Ross over yeah. Rasheed Rice. And, and yeah. you know, possibly even over Sky Moore. Nah, I don't know. At cost? Yeah, at cost, for sure. Yeah, at cost. I I know Barrett was the one who was honking that horn on uh, Justin Ross first, and and he was spot on. I mean, it's just, like, for for the the price now, like, he is an easy pick because that guy could pop and, and give you a huge return on investment. No doubt. So, <clears throat> check this one out. I'm, I'm a New England Patriots fan. I'm going to do something for my boy. Ready? Hold up. You ready? Oh, let's pour one out for Kayshawn Boutte. He's all done. Pour him out. He's done. What do you think? Am I... He's done? You don't like Booty? There's word he might not make the team. I don't know, man. It's not good. I don't... You know, six-round pick, fall from grace. Some of the things that that we're hearing about him, attitude, work ethic, I don't like betting on just talent alone, especially in this league where everybody's pretty freaking good. Like, the the difference is so thin, right? You know, like, K.J. Osborne is really good, but he's not going to get shit. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, it's so thin. You know, the, the, the margin is so thin. You can't just be that guy, walk on and be like, yeah, dude, I'm getting targets. It's like, it ain't going to work. The, apparently, this this uh, Demario... Or whatever, Demario Douglas. Is that Douglas. how you say his name? Am I messing yeah. that up? The little, right. the little quick little guy. Um, he, he's out playing him right now, you know. And um, I don't know, man. I'm just really, you know, six round pick. I, I picked him in a few spots in the third round of, of of rookie drafts, and it's feeling like that was the the wrong pick. I mean, I just I'm not liking it anymore. I feel like they're Puka Nakua. I'd much rather have, and so I probably steamed up Butte a bit too much. It's just it's one of those things. There was a bit of FOMO there because it's like, dude, this guy. It, it's a you know it's a Justin Ross type of thing. At one point, this guy was the guy. So maybe there was some circumstantial stuff. I think the circumstantial stuff was between his own head. Yeah, I mean, boy, he was though. Like at the end of his freshman year, he was the he, guy. He finishes with a hundred yard game, a hundred yard game, and a three hundred yard game. <laughs> right. And then he comes back, and he is lighting it up in his sophomore year. And then he like breaks his foot, yes. or whatever, and he's he's done. So you wonder if the foot thing was um, maybe affecting him in his third year. Then uh, you know you mentioned the attitude, but it, it was for Brian fake Southern accent Kelly. Yeah, true. Good so point. <laughs> I'm I'm not necessarily holding that against Kayshawn Booty. Yep, that's um, good. You know, like and it 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 wasn't working that well. But like this is a dude who like can get open and is really good with the ball in his hands. Yeah. Like I mean, when he had it cooking at LSU, I mean, like he was he was pretty electrifying. And yeah. if you would have told me like five games into his sophomore year that he was going to be a sixth round NFL pick. <laughs> I would have never like believed I, it. Yeah. I, I thought he was like a future first. Yes. After exactly. watching him. Yeah. So um, I, I guess I'm still pretty optimistic and I've been grabbing him in the, the third or fourth round in a lot of, I actually traded up in the fourth round 
That's uh, fair. To get no. the first pick of the fourth round in yeah. a, a rookie draft to get Kayshawn Booty. <clears throat> and that's so I'm fine. intrigued by him. And, and like like you said, like I'm I'm kind of done with Juju. I'm just like out. I, I can't ride the Juju merry-go-round anymore. Like he's just not the same guy he was early <laughs> in his career. I mean, if you can. I have such a fucking problem. I uh, honestly, I have a huge problem. I can't quit him. I can't. I, 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 I was like mean, that for a while. I'm, I'm finally. I, I don't I, mean that I think he's good. I just see the value. There's so many people who are out that I'm like, well, if you guys are going to treat him like that, I'm in. Like if, if, if he were like being like where Calvin Ridley is, right? Like this is the whole point. Like Calvin Ridley, I'm out. If Calvin Ridley were valued like Juju, I'd be in. Does that make sense? <laughs> when we're done with the show, Jax, I'll send you the 11 steps for the 11 step quitting Juju Smith-Schuster program. <laughs> but, please, I, I need help. I need help. Someone send help. Um, but do, does that make sense? Like Calvin Ridley right now is like, they're just like, oh yeah, he's going to be awesome. He's awesome. What do you mean he's awesome? Yeah, we haven't seen him play. He had right. one awesome season and then he had a couple good seasons and he's like 28 and he hasn't played in two years how do you know he's any like, I, I mean, I know he's good, but not that. I mean, I just don't get the ADP and it's the same, same thing with Juju. It's like, well, I don't think he's that good, but I don't think he's that bad. Right. Does that make sense? So it's sort of like, it, I, I view those two players similar, but their ADPs are vastly different. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I've, I'm with you on being sort of surprised by the enthusiasm for Ridley, considering that we just saw Deshaun Watson really struggle after a long layoff and like just, you know, caked with layers of rust coming back. And granted, quarterback is probably a harder position to, uh, you know, like readjust to after a long layoff than wide receiver. But right. still, man, like football is hard and being away from the game and not having reps and competition for that long a time. Like, I think it's going to take some time to get acclimated. Plus, like Christian Kirk is not a stiff Right. Uh, Zay Jones actually was much better than I Target thought he earner. was last year. Evan yep. Ingram looked great last year. Like Target the, the earner. I, yeah, yes. the idea that Ridley's going to just come right back and be a thousand yard guy is kind of silly to me. It's actually hard to get him there because you really have to say that either, like, and I know Zay's not an elite player. I'm not suggesting he is, but he's a target earner. If he's on the field, he's going to get targeted. That's all I'm, t- I'm yeah. just telling you that. So if they go three wide with Zay, Kirk, Ridley, and Ingram, those are four target earners. You can't just magically put one guy at 30 targets and let the other guy get to 150. It's not likely. They're all very likely to be in the, you know, 70 to 110 target range. Like maybe one of them peaks to 120, 130, but it's hard to get someone to like an elite spot in that offense. It, it just is mathematically hard to do. You really have to kill one of the guys and or you know, and you can do that if you want. That's up to you, but hard to do. I've said this. You, you when you started to say Deshaun Watson, I was like, wait, does he know where the fuck Ridley plays? He's on a different team. But you made the point that that you know Deshaun came back and had troubles. I've said this. If you get injured, right? If you're a player and you get injured and then you're not playing, what are you doing? Oh. Rehabbing. Yeah. Right? What is rehabbing? It's like working out crazy to make your body better so you can go out and play. If you're suspended, you're definitely not rehabbing. So you might just be chilling. Yeah. You're playing Madden on the couch. You could be chilling. <laughs> you know, so I don't, I'm not saying that Ridley was, or he could have been just sitting there with, you know, FanDuel open and just, you know, that's what he could be doing. You know, yeah. just 
too soon? No, I don't think it's too soon. But you, you get my point. Like he might not yes. have been putting in the work. I don't know that he wasn't, but I don't know that he was either. And we certainly don't probably think that Deshaun was either, right? I mean, he was handling legal trouble. So yeah, when they come back, they're not the player they were when they left. Something's different. And so for those reasons, I am very skeptical on Calvin Ridley. I see some ceiling, but not not that much. So for those reasons, yeah, I'm, I actually much prefer Juju, maybe even straight up over. Uh, yeah, if you give me odds, I'll take Juju, you know, fantasy points total in, 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 in 2023 over over Ridley. I mean, it's just, I, you know, I don't even like Juju. See, look what you made me do. <laughs> Interesting. You could probably get some good uh, plus money on that. I'll bet you could get like, you know, plus 240 on that bet since right? everyone is so high on Ridley. Yes. So outside of the awful Juju Smith-Schuster, who the hell is going to catch any passes in New England? Because someone's got to. Oh, I know. I Is it weird that I'm sort of weirdly enthusiastic about Mike Gesicki this year? Like, It's I, not weird, unfortunately. He's, he's being reunited with... What was weird was that they franchise-tagged him in Miami last year and then yep. completely... Uh, marginalized him in that offense yeah after franchise tagging him like his they gave him a major haircut in his snap share uh just didn't use him much and so now he comes back and he's he's getting reunited with his college coach at penn state bill o'brien who you know knows how to to use him presumably and um you know i mean the last time the last time bill o'brien was calling the plays uh in new england uh, I think that was the year that like Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez combined for like 2000 yards and 24 touchdowns and like 180 catch just insane. So like, I don't think we're going to see that kind of tight end production in uh, New England, but maybe we do see kind of a tight end renaissance there. And I wouldn't be surprised if Gasicki were part of it. Like we know he yeah. can't block fine. Right. And, and maybe, maybe that really bothered Mike McDaniel, but like, I don't think Bill O'Brien gives a shit that Gasicki can't block. He knows that. And, um, you know, the guy's still one of the more athletic tight ends in the league. And uh, I, I don't know. Like, I would not be surprised if he caught 50 or 60 balls this year. The guy, uh, yeah, it's possible. I mean, he's, I've said it a, a, a million times, Mike Kosicki is a slot receiver. You know, he plays slot. Yeah. He doesn't even play tight end. He plays slot receiver like 70 or 80% of his snaps in the past two years have been at slot. So he's a slot. Um, <clears throat> you know, they, he probably plays outside as much as he plays in line. Um, so, but that's where Juju tends to play. Maybe they'll play Juju at flanker a bit, you know, um, and then who at X Devonte Parker will probably get the first track crack at it. Um, but I think Taekwon Thornton is their speed guy. You know, that's the guy that they're probably going to want to play at flanker and, and stretch the field, you know, stretch Z and <clears throat> I don't know, man, I, 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 it's just hard for me to figure out what they're going to do. And, the sneaky guy is Kendrick Bourne, who actually was one of the more efficient players on the team over the last couple of years on a per route run and per play basis. But he's been in the doghouse a little bit. He came out recently and admitted that he didn't work hard enough last year and he's going to recommit himself. Well, he better if he wants to play. There's a lot of options there, and I wonder what the heck's going to happen. But, you know, it could be that could be one of those teams that I mentioned before where it's a lot of nobody. You know, it's just yeah. three, four targets for each guy every game. And, you know, you know, it's just there's nothing to to hold on to and really depend upon on a weekly basis, other than Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre is <laughs> going to have a huge year, uh, so that's the guy in in, in uh, New England. If you ask me, he's probably going to get. He might be the most targeted player on the damn team potentially. 
Yeah, it just does seem like the Patriots could be one of those teams that no one has more than like 600 receiving yards. <laughs> right. Um, the, the Giants kind of look that way to me, too. I mean, like that yes. bizarre amalgam of, of receivers they have. Yes. I mean, they can't even keep all the guys they have. No, I, no. I forgot. I was looking at their depth chart. I forgot they, they have Bryce Ford Wheaton. Yes. He probably like added get cut to it. or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like some big name veteran there is going to get cut. Like Jamison Crowder. Or, Crowder is or, probably the guy. There's yeah, some buzz that he's going to get cut. Um, Paris Campbell getting the early camp buzz. I'm not surprised. Look, th- going to the Giants now. I mean, you know, Darren Waller is going to be their their alpha, right? I mean, you know, he's gonna he's gonna get a lot of targets, and by a lot, I'm not saying too many because they're a run first team, a slow paced team, uh, a team where the the quarterback takes off a lot, a team with Saquon Barkley who's going to get a lot of even manufactured touches out of the backfield. So then it's that's the sort of the team, right? And then it's Darren Waller, and then it's a bunch of guys, right? Now, I wonder if there is a guy, whether it's Hodgins or Paris Campbell, those are the two guys I've got my eye on that I think could be, you know, a little bit of something. Although I'm not betting on either one of them, you know, in a, in a major way. I'm not certainly planting a flag on anybody in New England or at, at in New York Giants. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm sneakily... Uh, excited about Paris. Look, the one guy who might be able to get some targets is maybe Paris Campbell, um, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, he looked good when he was actually healthy when he's last healthy. year, and, and we know that's been an issue for him. But I'm I'm glad that you agree with me. Those are the two guys. And, like, all these guys are going to be, like, in redraft this year. They're all going to be, like, late-round picks, end-of-the-draft-type yeah. <laughs> picks. Almost not um, even draftable in, like, standard leagues, you know? Right. You know, right. standard yeah, and, redraft, yeah. Right, if it's a 12-team and a 16-man rosters, I, I don't think – I think yeah. when I was doing my redraft rankings, I think Hodgins is my highest-ranked Giants guy, and he's like in the 60s at yes. wide receiver. Exactly, that, um, but that's the way to play it. And and in redraft, you really don't even want those guys anyway because you'd rather just be you know wide receiver heavy at the top in redraft, make sure you have like you know however many. If it's a start three with one flex, whatever, you just have four or five wide receivers, that's – Maybe it, you know, maybe a late round flyer here and there, but then you just want backup running backs because you yeah. don't want to have to fight on the waiver wire and redraft for, you know, backup running backs. You want to just have them. You know, there's no better feeling than when someone's running back gets hurt and then everybody goes to look for him on the waiver wire and you roster his ass. But nobody yeah. ever does that for a fucking Hodgins, you know? Nobody's right, you right. Know, that's, but yeah. I, but at least with Hodgins, though, like. All these guys they have are, are Lilliputians. They're all yes. these little dudes. Hodgins is actually a big dude, yes. which might explain why he had like a five-game stretch last year where he scored four touchdowns. Right, dude? Remember? Like the big re- and maybe it's Waller getting, you know, Waller like gets all those uh, end zone targets this year, maybe. Yeah. But, um, you know, like Hodgins is, and, and he was kind of involved. Like he only had one game where he had more than 50 receiving yards last year. But he had a bunch where he was like, you know, in between like 35 and 45. Yes. Like he w- was involved uh, pretty frequently. So I don't know. I mean, like maybe he earned Daniel Jones and, and Brian Dable's trust last year. So I like I, I think he's kind of the safest bet there. And I know that people, you know, maybe be excited about Wandale Robinson because of his speed or whatever, even though I think we've only had like one player under 5'9 in the Super Bowl era go for a thousand yards as a, a receiver like the 5'8 the and shorter guys just yeah. do not have good 
good track record. No. And he's um, coming off the injury too. I totally yeah. love it. You know, me and Chalk were talking about Hodgins. I'm super excited about Hodgins. And, you know, in redraft is one thing. In Dynasty, I absolutely love him. Like, especially in, in some of the leagues. And I, well, you play in one with me, a 14 team deep league. You know, Hodgins yeah. is starting in that league. He's, right. He's got value, big yes. time value in that league. Yes. And so, yeah, a guy who could get five targets and a potential touchdown is an absolute asset in a league like that. Um, You know, so because it's a dynasty show, we do talk about players like that, depending on what kind of team you play for. And that's something Dynasty 101 here is like, you know, if you play in a 12 team start nine or something, you know, or it's like, dude, you don't have to worry about this. This is all different. You know, these aren't the guys you're looking for. These are not the droids you're looking for. You're looking for elite guys and that's it. And if you can trade, you know, Hodgins and Juju and, you know, Pute and Jalen Hyatt and all these, you know, dog shit players just to get up to a guy who's in the top, you know, 40 at wide receiver, you know, then do it, you know, because you don't need the depth. In our league, that league, we have 14 teams. We were only supposed to be 12, but then I think we got – um we, we we had we added someone and, and it was like uh it was a big name whatever it's there's a lot of you know great analysts in the league and I was like I can't say no so I was like yes we'll, we'll add you we'll do one more and uh, then we made fourteen and it was already like start twelve so now it's like just fucking huge deep league yeah. um well if you're in a league like that yeah these guys now matter because now you're talking about almost two hundred starters like that's crazy so right. anyway at the end of the day know your league know your scoring uh, the last one we we touched on it briefly who do you like uh, in Carolina. Anybody? <laughs> Do you yeah, like anybody you, in Carolina at all? I mean, if I was putting a bet down on anyone to lead that team in in catches and yardage, I think I'd actually bet Thielen. Yeah, me too. Which is just weird because I've like you know been fading Thielen in fantasy football now for like three or four years. It's just a, a lucky touchdown guy, but like I do feel like. I don't know. For some reason, I'm... So do the thought experiment with me. I agree with you that I think the most likely guy, if everybody were to stay healthy and everything's just sort of status quo there, Thielen's the best sort of player there, right? Or whatever. Okay, great. But what if if he doesn't do that? What is one of the other very likely outcomes for Adam Thielen? Oh, Injury? Yes. Right? So if that happens, you know, if we see some you know, injury from Thielen, which I I hate to predict it, but like, I don't know, man, I don't know that he's going to be able to hold up for 17 and get 120 target. I just don't, I don't know, man, that seems like a tough bet to make, right? Well, then I'd rather take someone else at a cheaper value. Chark has been the guy I've kind of targeted in these best ball drafts. I feel like his value is right there, especially in best ball where he's a little bit more of a boom bust player, you know, sort of a bigger play downfield guy who might you know might blank out on a couple games but he could also give you a you know four catch 120 yard game you know with a touch or two so um you know for those reasons i tend to like chark a little bit younger has done it before and then the other three we mentioned mingo terrace and and lavisca it's like eesh. yeah i know i like and i was such a lavisca truther when that guy came out but at this point you know i need a show me season from him i think i need a show me season from terrace marshall before i'm taking you know getting him anywhere crazy yeah all um, three of them are like the same guy like just these like these sort of athletically promising second round picks that like you know what i mean these three guys are so similar lavisca terrace and and mingo and I, i mean i guess i just take whichever one sort of 
hanging around there for you at whatever point you're drafting or if someone wants to throw one of them in. I mean, I just I can't imagine spending up for Mingo right now. I just I'm not all that confident that he's going to be the guy. I, I suppose he's got the freshest sort of face, you know what I mean? In other words, he's like, hey, we've never seen you suck before. Why don't you yeah, get out there and prove it? Exactly right. He's the one guy who hasn't failed from right. that trio. So, um, you know, I guess we got to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt. Yep. But, um, you know, I know, like I know people look at his numbers from Old Miss, too, and be like, you know, why are we getting excited about this guy? But, um, you know, they, they weren't exactly blessed with great quarterbacking during Mingo's time there. And, right. um, yeah, so, I, like, I'm cautiously optimistic on him. Yeah. But I, I think it's probably unrealistic to think that he's going to be, like, their leading receiver in year one. Right. Before we go to one one thing I did want to talk about, I want to ask you, what do you think about what's going to happen in San Francisco? Um, I think um, <clears throat> I've been asking everybody, you know, that I that I've had on the podcast. I don't know about everybody, but pretty. It's been my. It's been a. It's been a, a favorite. You know, play the hits. You know, play the hits. And it's it's the Trey Lance sort of music. Everybody gets dancing, and we all start partying and. You know, some people will really, you know, kind of there's a lot of enthusiasm for Trey Lance. And I would just ask, I don't know why, like there's hate, too. And I don't necessarily know why that either. I am so unsure as to whether or not this I just feel like there's very little data. The, the, The data we do have is starting to lean me towards him not being good rather than leaning me towards him being good. Now, granted, his ADP has fallen synonymously, but. I, I never liked his ADP from day one. Not from one day. I never liked his ADP. I have like one share of Trey Lance in all my dynasty leagues. Um, what do you think? Just based this way, is he at all worth a pick where he's going in a dynasty startup right now, Trey Lance? Oh yeah, I hope so because I uh, I picked him. I think at what seven oh seven oh one in the uh, Kings Classic dynasty league startup with. That's uh, where he goes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, you know, and at that point, though, he's like my third quarterback. Um, and I think he's worth it because if he does eventually get his chance, and I think he will get his chance, if not in San Francisco, then somewhere else, he can be a Konami code quarterback, a guy who's going to put up, you know, move the needle with his running ability, not just add value, but actually, you know, move the needle. Um, and, like, there's arm talent there. I, I can't guarantee that he's going to be a good or even average NFL passer, but he does have arm talent. And yeah. I know that they were talking about how in OTAs he looked a lot better mechanically. And there was speculation that maybe even Lance said it himself that like a, he had like a broken thumb or something that might have uh, messed with his mechanics a little bit because yeah. he had to like grip the ball differently and like was just kind of ripple effect with like everything about his mechanics changed because of that so um it's just cautious optimism but what do i think is going to happen i kind of think they're put it just feels like they've been putting their thumb on the scale for purdy all along and i like i wouldn't be surprised if it was kind of like a kyle shanahan ego thing at play here like shanahan you know believes in his system and it, it it's a fine system i mean it's it's been proven to work but like he just wants someone to run his system and feels like maybe Purdy is that guy. And yeah. like, he doesn't need some guy who can manufacture. Like that's, it, it almost, 
Kind of makes me think of like when uh, Mike Holmgren was the Packers coach and he got Brett Favre. And Holmgren is this, you know, <laughs> West Coast offense Bill Walsh disciple. And he wants to run that. And he gets Favre, who, you know, early in his career played like his hair was on fire and wanted to do everything off script. And he drove Holmgren fucking crazy his right. first few years in the league. And I feel like Shanahan doesn't want that same sort of headache and would rather just have the system guy. And so that's kind of why I think if Purdy is healthy, it'll be Purdy. Yeah, I think um, for, for the thing I've been saying, too, is I just don't think Trey Lance is that good an athlete. And now he's broken his ankle, and I think he's – when I say not that good, I just mean, like, you know, he's not Kaepernick. He's not, you know, Hurts. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not – you know, I don't even think he's Josh Allen. I, I just think he's probably, like – you know, I, I don't know, man. He's just not – he's not explosive. You don't watch – San Francisco games go, oh, shit, you see him catch the edge? Like, he was – dude, if that guy didn't get him, he was gone. You're like, he's kind of strong and he's fast and he's, you know, he's a good runner. And But I just don't see, like, elite-level, you know, f- uh, athletic traits. And then you factor in the fact that he's played – he's taken 400 – he's had 420 pass attempts since high school, which is, like, ridiculous. Like, yeah. You know, this is like uh, I think it was since 2017 or something like that. Like, so we're talking like he's he's not played, he's done nothing, and everything from the front office and the coaching staff and everything, every signal is bad. Every signal is bad. They brought in Sam fucking Darnold. Like, if you're thinking, I, I mean, I guess maybe Sam Darnold is in you know backup insurance to Trey Lance. I'm not so sure, man. There's other guys that they could have brought in. To back him up, I feel like they kind of went out and got Sam Darnold. They weren't like, yeah, we're going to need a, a guy eventually. You never hear them say, like, God, if Trey Lance didn't get hurt last year, we would have won the Super Bowl. I've never heard that from any player or anybody in the organization. Never heard that. Like, if they thought he was that good, they'd be saying stuff like that. They'd just be – I just don't know that, that they think he's that good. I don't know. But I'm just trying to read the tea leaves. And what I see is all bad signs. You know, they literally were like – as soon as Brock Purdy hurt his elbow, like he's still the starter. Yeah, fuck it. I don't. They right. might have to chop off his arm. We'll teach him to throw left. He's still the starter. We don't even know if he's going to be healthy. Still the fucking starter. You know, it's like that's surprised. That surprised me, right? Because yeah. at that point, I was like, when he when he got hurt, I'm like, well, this is Trey Lance time now, baby. Like they're going to be like, we're going back to Trey. We'll see when Purdy's ready, right? That's what I thought the narrative was going to be. That that narrative stands more reason than the one that they came out with, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you could see the Darnold acquisition for them is either now that gives them the leeway to trade Trey Lance, and, and you know, after what they spent to get him, sure. it's going to be for pennies on the dollar. But <laughs> yep. um, uh, there's probably teams that would, you know, give you a first-round pick at least for Trey Lance at, at this point still, I think, a guy who could be a starting quarterback potentially. They might have also made that Darnold move because of the way things ended for them with, like, having forced to play a compromised uh, Brock Purdy, basically, just because there was nothing else. And right. So, um, yeah, like, I, I can't really push back on anything about your take on Lance. It's possible. I mean, I, the highlights of him as a runner at North Dakota State look pretty compelling. Yeah, I, I will again, say that. And we, North Dakota State. Yeah, North Dakota State. And, it's a Sky know, Moore thing again. We're, oh, God, don't yeah. let us, don't get us fooled again, you know? 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, there he was going up against uh, you know junior insurance salesman. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's it really is hard to get a read on the Trey Lance situation at this point, and I'm I'm still like. Now I feel like it's almost reckless. Like before, I, I wanted to buy the dip, but now I feel like the risk with his current price has has lowered to a point where if he does bust, like it, it's I didn't, you know, fundamentally yes. uh, like I'm not giving up a lot to acquire him. I, I guess anymore. what I would ask is like he went ahead and maybe in your league he did the same. Maybe you took him, and, and I'm not. This isn't a criticism of you because this happened in, in a, a pretty high stakes league I'm doing right now with a lot of great uh, uh, fantasy players. Some are analysts, some are just high stakes guys. That's that's the league. And uh, he went a, a pick in front of Kenny Pickett, and um, like I couldn't. Why would I take Trey Lance over Kenny Pickett? Like, explain that to me. I don't. I don't understand. One guy is a starting quarterback of a good offense who is a first round pick who has some flaws but is pretty good with his legs and like you know I the other guy is like not a starter has been injured nobody wa- like I don't understand like isn't he closer to Will Levis than he is to like Kenny Pickett Yeah I mean so in in this league Pickett had already been selected I, mm. I did not take Lance with Pickett still on the board Got I mean it. like the only I guess the only knock I would have on Pickett is that... I don't like love his, Pickett either, but, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah, just that his prospect profile, if he had not gotten the COVID year, the, the fifth year, like yeah. he wasn't even draftable because he didn't do anything. And then it, that fifth That's year, true. when he's playing against much younger players, uh, absolutely lit it up. Yeah. and But, like, he actually looked like he was no he knew what he was doing a little bit by the end of last year like the Pittsburgh offense was actually having some success down the, yeah. the stretch their last two or three games that actually looked like a real offense he had a hard so, time getting like, in the end zone but that could also sort of like you know touchdown variants could turn around a little bit I mean you know obviously team touchdowns are pretty sticky <laughs> I mean yeah. you know what I mean like in other words how they get them versus whether or not they get them but like in, it, I'll just give you some some players that he was drafted ahead of in my league uh jared goff uh jordan love surprisingly everybody loves this jordan is love. this is lance drafted ahead of yes. these guys okay yep jordan love <clears throat> excuse me um sam howell jimmy g this was before the jimmy g sort of fall brock purdy matt stafford mac jones desmond ritter ryan Tannehill. like i i, I guess i see the upside but like in a startup i just want to make sure i'm getting some i just don't want to I, I don't know man I'd have a hard time taking him over almost all those guys, um, especially at opportunity cost. I guess I'd rather, and I did. I waited. I took. I was, dude. I took Mac Jones, and he was the thirty-second quarterback off the board. I took him at ten-seven, so I had you know. I took Brandon Ayuk where Trey Lance went, and then I got Mac Jones where Brian Robinson went. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, that, does that make sense? So in other words, like, I just don't see him as this. Like, I get it that he has a higher ceiling than Mac Jones. That that I, I of course that's, that's unquestionable. He's a, he has a rushing upside, but the floor is way fucking lower on him than Mac. Mac Jones going to start week one. You know you could put him right in the fucking lineup and he'll get you you know quarterback two points. You know I mean I, I don't know. I just have a hard time and and yeah Mac Jones could wash out too. There's no doubt. Kenny Pickett could wash out, but kind of Trey Lance is already starting to wash out. I mean at least these guys will have an opportunity to not wash out. 
we're going to have to find out where Trey Lance can go because I don't think it's in, in San Francisco where he can not wash out, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, uh, he is a complicated guy because he is yeah. the, the lowest. His floor is so low as to not be playing. Not playing <laughs> right. is a pretty low floor. <laughs> yes. and the, But the ceiling is like <laughs> right. you know, a guy who could run for 800 yards as a quarterback and yes. then maybe throw for 3,000. Yeah, and so, especially um, score touchdowns on, on right. the ground, too. I, right. The yardage is one thing, but I think he's more of a goal line player. I've, I've, I've had the funniest joke. I said, you know, his destiny is to take over the Juszczyk role for that team and really, you know, see his his uh, his, his value skyrocket. That, like, that's, that's the, the guy. Yeah, that's the play that he got hurt on. Basically, it was like a goal <laughs> right. line plunge. They were in midfield, but uh, like it was that kind of a play where he's just take the ball and and you know run up the right tackles back. I think exactly. Yeah, and, and he does that well. But unfortunately, that's also you're right. Those are the types of plays that accept yep. you to injury as well. So look, we'll we'll close the door on Trey Lance. I just. I love talking about it because, you know, I, I see the ceiling. I feel like the people who see the floor don't see the ceiling, and people who see the ceiling don't see the floor. Obviously, you've got a pretty good understanding of what you just spent your money on in that startup. You know, hey, look, I'm taking a swing. I can't really – and it's true. You can't really find that upside at the quarterback position almost at all behind that. I, I, I see that. You know, it's like you got to make, you know, Desmond Ritter maybe. I don't know. Probably not. You know what I mean? It's like he doesn't have that kind of upside. Sam Howell runs a little bit, but he still doesn't have that. You know, it's not back there. Right. You know, there's nothing back there that does that. So for those reasons, I think the upside play and the swing is, is totally fine. I just yeah. can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I've am i thrown caution to the wind there. So uh, I'm, I'm, my be going down with the ship but uh you know I, I can't wait to find out i just want to find out i want to i know it's so much somewhere. fun isn't it fucking love yes. this game we just talk about it all the time and like ready to go let's see me some football this this is tough so speaking of someone who wants to get on a team and play dalvin cook um what, what where do you think he ends up i mean uh, any idea what i mean you know i mean i know that you probably don't know anything but what do you think here yeah i mean like everyone seems to think it's going to be Miami, right? right. And, and like Miami has not made their move yet. And it's interesting. Like if you, the last time I looked at the odds, the jets were the favorite, which what like the hell, man? wouldn't, you know, I, I thought Brees Hall had like a simple ACL tear early in the season. You know, I thought he would be fine. Yeah. Like if they do sign Dalvin cook, that that's kind of concerning about what it's very concerning Brees Hall's recovery, but they've also got Michael Carter who, you know, was, pretty much completely relegated to a, a non-factor last year. And they drafted Izzy Abanacanda. So, yeah. like, it, it's really weird that they would be considered a player for him, let alone the, the favorite. But I guess – so maybe Miami, uh, you know, maybe KC if they decide they want more depth. Uh, Buffalo could play with his brother yeah. there. And, uh, you know, maybe they see that as, like, a, a final – I don't know if it would be a final blow because they might also be in the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes. Um, Denver? Dallas, Denver, if if they're concerned about Javante's recovery. Um, the Cardinals, but why would he go there and why right. would they want him? It, it yep. doesn't make any sense. So right. um, it, it seems like it would be like Miami, KC, Buffalo, the Jets, if, if that's to be believed, Dallas or Denver. Jets doesn't make any sense to me. It, you, it doesn't. You know, and I mean, I know we're like fantasy guys, so sometimes we think – no, no, don't ruin my player, but it actually doesn't make any sense to me. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, like, especially because as you point out, they do have some, you know, like unless Brees is really fucked up, like then it makes sense. Then I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah no, if he's going to be out for eight to 10 games, hell yeah. Like bring him in. But if he's like 
supposedly going to be good to go, or at least, you know, maybe he's like, you know, they ease him back in for one, two, three, four weeks, something like that, you know, um, then yeah, you've got enough behind there with Bam Knight, Izzy and Michael Carter to certainly be fine with, you know, part-time breeze for a little bit. You certainly don't even have room for Dalvin. You'd actually have to cut one of those guys, which I would assume Bam Knight's easy to cut. Um, you know, Izzy's sort of the young guy, maybe doesn't even get activated sometimes. And, you know, so there's some ways to make that work, but then you still have this breeze Dalvin situation, which again, unless breeze is out, I would hate to, you know, have to manage that as a coach. You know, it doesn't even make sense. Um, you know, Scott Barrett did say that he feels like the Jets don't see Brees Hall as a bell cow. No. And the news that Dalvin might go there is starting to make him look as smart as he actually is. So maybe we're going to all have to eat a little bit of crow and praise Mr. Scott Barrett yet again on that take. He said it on this show, and I haven't found a single person who agreed with him since then, including myself, uh, about the Brees Hall thing. But, man, I'm holding tight with this Dalvin thing because I, I can't believe he would go there. Um, but that's kind of the point. I, I That was my next question is he can really kill someone's fantasy value with wherever he goes. Dalvin still carries that weight, doesn't he? He does. Uh, look. Even though he's gotten less efficient, and even though I don't think he's walking into like a workhorse role wherever he goes, um, he yeah he he guts the fantasy value of some other backs when he finally does land someplace, and it's kind of concerning. I like still a lot of unsigned running backs out there, yes. so there's going to be some <laughs> bad news for for yeah. fantasy people. Like they're going to be some grouchy people when these people finally start landing. Yes, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, uh, even Kareem Hunt, like James Robinson now has to find a new home. Like not you know not that Hunt and James Robinson are really going to be torpedoing people's fantasy. Oh, by the way, big news, big news. Former first round draft pick and stud Sony Michelle signs to take over the Cam Akers role in uh, in Los Angeles. So yeah, (laughs) to your point, you know, Cam Akers dynasty value squashed. Um, But yeah, like players like Pacheco, like if he signs in, in, in Kansas city, it's like, Oh my God, the Pacheco is just like, I mean, you're literally, throwing up if, as soon as that's announced if you're if you're rostering Pacheco because right now Pacheco I've said he's pretty close to like J.K. Dobbins this year like you know I mean you're talking 200 plus carries maybe not a ton of uh targets but if something were to happen to uh McKinnon you know what I mean where he's just not you know he's got a little bulky knee you could see some target share uh emerge for Pacheco too he's not a very good pass catcher but good enough they targeted him like seven times in the playoffs or whatever so you know he's good enough to just chuck it to and like let him go be a maniac with the ball in his hands. Guy like A Chain, who, you know, we're all kind of like, okay, he can handle Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, but you put Dalvin in there, that's fucking crushed again. And like, you just go down the list. I mean, he can crush some people pretty yes. quickly. Yes. Yeah. I'm a, a big A Chain fan. So I'm like, I'm kind of hoping the Miami thing is just like, I, I do feel like it would have happened by now, especially like if the Jets are rumored to be in on him. Yeah. Wouldn't the Dolphins want to move fast and, and snap him up before a divisional rival can? Yeah. I so like him to, I like him to go to Denver. I I really do because I think Javante is it makes that a lot pl- of sense. Makes all the sense, right? I mean I don't know. I yeah, I mean, you know, um certainly Sean Payton familiar with Dalvin, uh, you know, an in conference I mean in in division, you know, foe for so many years and you know, you got to think he thinks he's good. And Javante is, uh, from what I understand, a ways from coming back. 
And then you're talking about a also ran Jag and Samaj P. Ryan, who's not a good football player. I mean, he's not a bad football player, but he's not winning. He's not adding value, right? He's just holding it down. That's all he's doing. So Dalvin adds value. He's a breakaway player, even in his diminished role now. I think he'd be a great a great fit in Denver. Um, the the big question here, though, and the one that I think everybody's you know having around the campfire is does this open up an RB1 season for, you know, for Madison? Oh, that's interesting. Um, Look, he has the versatility to maybe be that if they wanted him to do it. But for some reason, I'm picturing it being more of a committee. Ooh, I love this. Like, what do you think about this? Because I feel like like probably two of Dwayne McBride, uh, Ty Chandler, and Kenny Wongwu get involved there and it's sort of like Chandler's got sort of a pass passing down back skill set McBride is this early down thumper uh Wong Wu's sort of like this slasher type who looks like he's been shot out of a cannon anytime he takes a handoff although he's you know probably taken a dozen of them maybe um yeah like I I kind of think that Madison is like going to be the the committee chairman but it will be a committee yeah I would say that all the other backs like McBride, um, you know, Ty, Chandler, and Kenne are all better than um, Alexander Madison at the thing that they're best at. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? So, like, I think Dwayne McBride is a better pure bruising between the tackles rip your face off runner than Madison. I think yep. Ty Chandler's a better pass catching, you know, third down back than Madison. I think, you know, uh, Kenny is obviously faster and more explosive in a big play situation than Madison, but Madison's better, more well-rounded than any of them by quite a stretch, I think, but he's just not, he's, you know, he's sort of good, not great at everything. So for that reason, I think you're right. I think he does lead it, but I think they will be compelled to not just ride him all season because he's not that that dynamic of a player. It's not like, well, we can't get him off the field here. He's just too good. It's like, actually, it's short yardage. We have fucking Dwayne McBride right here. Like, right, right. I think he's pretty good. It's like, no, wait, it's third and seven. Fucking Ty Chandler is pretty odd. Like, why don't we try his ass in there? You know, so I think there will be opportunities where Madison isn't even the best option at any given time. But yet he's sort of the best option if you have to play him every single down. But I'm I'm petrified because he's never commanded it. You know, we look at like the Zeke Pollard, you know, that relationship. Pollard demanded to be on the field because he's so fucking good. That's right. Tony Pollard. Alexander Madison never once did that. Not once in his career has he ever said, you know, put me in because I'm as good or better than Dalvin. Not once. Nobody ever thought that. They were like, you know what? If Dalvin gets hurt, this guy can go in there and like, you know what I mean? And like do a cardboard cutout version of Dalvin for a game. It's like, yeah, that doesn't mean he's good. You know what I mean? So I think he's, you know, I'd rather have Miles Sanders than Alexander Madison. What about you? Yeah, I I think so too. I think he's going to be overdrafted just because people are, you know, they are going to ask the the rhetorical question, like who, what else are they going to do with the ball? But like they, they do have these other guys. And like you said, conceivably like, those guys are all better at their one area of expertise than Madison, who's just got the well-rounded skill set. Yep. But um, I don't know. Maybe it's an advantage, I guess, if it's like sort of a neutral down and distance, like first and ten or second and six, to have a guy like Madison because you're not telegraphing your intentions by putting in a certain guy who 
specializes in a certain thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if it's first and golf the one though, you just bring in McBride and like have him bang it in. But um, that that's yeah, a, that's, so, a, that's a that's a team too that could bring in a Fournette or bring in a cut casualty from could. another team. That's they like could. oh, all of a sudden there's someone who's like like because it's not hard to imagine that someone's standing next to Madison and they're like as good as him. Like that that part to right. me is like. That's very easy to imagine. Like you just look down the list at some of the players that are in the league. You're like, yeah, he's probably like Elijah Mitchell is better than Alexander Madison. You know what I mean? I, I don't want. Yeah. I'm not going to draft Mitchell over Madison. But like, by the way, Mitchell might have some sneaky upside. Uh, we'll get there in just a moment. But you know, there's like I just don't. I see the upside with Madison. I'm just petrified that he's not that player. I don't like buying into situations. We've seen this a million times, especially in redraft, where it's like, you know, the guy who is supposed to be the, you know. The next guy up, we draft him on on that potential or whatever, and they're they're just they're just a jag, you know, they're just another guy, and so therefore they they don't they they play the the role of just another guy. Committee most most teams are committees, you know, and so why would all of a sudden a team without an alpha back treat their one of their committee backs as an alpha back? That just doesn't make any sense to me. Now right. the, the the counter to that you already mentioned is. These other guys aren't very good. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm praising Dwayne McBride over. He's a six-round pick or whatever, you know. So it's not like I've got much to stand on, and I, I understand that. Yeah, so that it, that's going to be a really interesting situation. And, For sure. Uh, yeah, but it, it is just hard to see a guy who's never had anything close to a workhorse role just to project that for him. And as you said, most of the situations in the NFL are committees. Yeah. Um. So, like, I, I, I do struggle to see Madison, like, having RB1 type value this year. Yeah, the only thing that scares me is the GOAT, Evan Silva, is super high on Madison, thinks he could be an RB1. And uh, I really hate flying into that headwind. So, Evan, if you're listening, God bless you. I hope you're wrong this one time. Um, (laughs) Speaking of, uh, you know, uh, bell cows, do you think the Bengals – there's been some noise. Do you think the Bengals could do the same with Mixon that uh, Minnesota just did with Dalvin, even though it's a little late? Uh, this, I mean, I don't know why, but th- this might happen. What do you think? It felt like there was more smoke around that possibility a couple months ago. Totally. And like now it seems like they're sort of resigned to keeping him. At, at least it appears that way on the surface. Like it would really shock people now, I think, after like that sort of I don't know it felt like the the release mix in talk has sort of been tabled, and I feel like the Bengals, you know, their Super Bowl window is clearly open. Right. I mean, they've been a, a serious contender now for a couple of years, and I I think they do have designs on a, a Super Bowl appearance totally. this year. So for them to have a sea change, where like, yeah, I, th- I think we can make a go of it with uh, you know Chase Brown and and Travion Willie. Like, I, I it doesn't make any kinda, sense. Yeah. yeah, I think they're just gonna roll with him for one more year. I feel like they'd have to have an alternative plan. Maybe maybe Dalvin goes. <laughs> that, like that's that's too that much. I love could it. be interesting. I mean, like, but <laughs> yeah. why would they? Why would they want to do that? Just, yeah, I mean, unless they don't it, trust Mixon, which they've kind of proven a little bit that they don't necessarily trust him because they did have Samaj P. Ryan in in the Super Bowl in the you know most crucial true, play of the game, true. and he fucked it up. So sorry about that, <laughs> Bengals fans. <laughs> he did. He fucked it up he did, totally. He did. He was awful. Um, you know, we talked about Dalvin. Wherever he goes, he he changes the fortunes of some other players in, in fantasy. Do you think Zeke or Fournette have that ability or? Is that ship sailed for those two guys? Man, it's funny because, like, 
I, I feel like sometimes NFL teams are even worse than we are about <laughs> yeah. like getting mesmerized <laughs> yes. by like name brand power. I mean, like totally. Odell Beckham got a one-year, fifteen million dollar contract. Like most yes. fantasy managers wouldn't have given Odell Beckham that contract. Like, really, you're gonna give that to him after how many injuries this guy's done? Yes. So, like, I could totally see some teams signing those guys and giving them not workhorse roles, but like significant roles, even though their efficiency numbers in recent years kind of don't warrant significant roles. So I have a I have a take. Where do you see them going? I'll see if you if you hit it where I'm going. Where where do you see Zeke and Fournette ending up? I mean, it's like the same sort of amalgam of names we threw out there for Dalvin Cook, like Broncos, Dolphins, uh Chiefs. Um yeah, you know, I I can't really see Zeke with the Chiefs though. No. Um you so know, I, like think, maybe- I think I think Zeke's going back to Dallas. It could be like I mean, this is like he, an old girlfriend thing. This is yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're in love. This is a love story. You know, it was it got a little rocky. You know, one person was doing all the dishes and making all the money, and it was like, look, man, I'm doing everything around here. You're out of here. They kicked him out of the house, and he's coming back. Like, look, I know I fucked up. I'll just do the dishes. I promise. <laughs> They're like, I know you will. Yeah, and I'll. I'll give you more money. Like, I know. All right. You're coming back. Perfect. Now it's going to be back on different terms. And it's like, Tony's sort of the man, but I think, I think they love Zeke. First of all, Dak and Zeke are like, I mean, you saw the what hard knocks. They're like, I mean, they're like little, little two twin girls playing in the backyard. They were just love each other. So th- they're good friends. Jerry Jones. I mean, can't help himself. He, he, he gave him the contract in the first place. You know he didn't want to release Zeke. He loves that dude. I think Zeke goes back to Dallas and plays a, a you know secondary role to Tony Pollard, and you know will sort of ease his way into more touches than he deserves. Could, could Fournette go back to Tampa? I mean, wow. they could kind of use someone to compliment <laughs> Rashad White. Like I don't wow. think anyone quite imagines Rashad White in a workhorse role. What about uh, Fournette in Kansas City? That would be interesting. I mean, he does catch Pass passes. Catchers. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, he just, like, he hasn't been all that efficient. But, no. man, like, he's actually been pretty good for them or was good for the Buccaneers the last couple of years in, like, big games. Yeah, I'd rather he, have he, McKinnon, you know, yeah. from a football stance, you know. <clears throat> I think I would, too. But, um, yeah. yeah, like, I don't know. Maybe maybe Andy Reid would sort of value that veteran presence. Yeah. Well, on that note, I want to kind of end the show with um, a little bit of talk about, because I think, you know, we talked about wide receivers and some of the, like, you know, uh, arbitrary, you know, touch uh, situations and target situations. But I'd like to talk about, like, some of your favorite running back values and maybe some of those backfields and some of the different spots that, you know, there's running back value. Because the running back landscape – I think it's more interesting this year than it's been in in many many years. Like I think when you know we're old enough like you know I'm I'm actually over 25 years old. And so I can remember several years back as I'm sure, are you 25 yet? Uh yeah, just uh last week as it turns out. I, you are I okay, so you are old. we're both kind of old. And so what's what happens when you get old like us over 25 is you can remember back. But if you remember like there were times when the the running back landscape was very simple. It was like, 
you know, LaDainian Thomas, Adrian Peterson, right? It was, there was a sort of group at the top and then a bunch of like kind of middling backs for shitty teams. And then there were just garbage. <laughs> you know what I mean? That yeah. was, that was it. That was the, that was the fucking way running backs worked. And now there's committees, there's more pass game weapons out of the backfield. There's, there's all sorts of different, you know, and everything gets turned upside down. There's been a lot of injuries. You know, some of these guys, we just talked about them, Dalvin, Zeke, Fournette, who were kind of the guys are not even on teams right now. So there's a lot of shakeup. And I think because of that, there's some values. So I was wondering, I wanted to hear from you who you like uh, at value. It can be in best ball or redraft and that's going to lend itself to dynasty. I don't give a shit how you mention it, but like what are some of the running back values you like right now uh, in fantasy? I'm excited about Antonio Gibson. I don't know if I should be like, it, it feels like I'm going back to the well on a guy who, um, you know, kind of burned me last year when I wanted to invest, but, um, I'm optimistic that the offensive coordinator change suits Gibson going from Scott Turner, who just yes. could not fucking Scott Turner could not get, uh, <laughs> Fucking, I think that's um, his real name, actually. Fucking Scott. Oh Turner. my god, yeah. he, he could not get JD McKissick on the field often enough for Scott Turner's taste. Like that was so annoying. You know, yes. like you'd have these um, drives at the end of halves or at the end of the game, and it would be JD McKissick like catching all these little short passes. When it's like, yes. okay, we've got a guy who's significantly bigger, faster, and better than JD McKissick, who was a former fucking college wide receiver how about <laughs> right. using him on all these little dump off passes and you know maybe <laughs> yes. he can take one to the house which yeah, jd mckissick yes. sure as hell isn't doing so like i'm optimistic about that and this is a dude who is as big and as fast as jonathan taylor bingo and scored double digit touchdowns his first two years in the league and i, I know he had some major fumbling issues and kind of got in the doghouse there for a while. But, like, it was at least kind of encouraging, if not a little bit maddening, to hear um, Ron Rivera, like, remembering that Antonio Gibson was on the roster this offseason. Like, oh, we we really need to find ways to use him more. Like, no shit, man. Yes. Um, so, like, I'm, I'm kind of enthusiastic about him. For my win-now dynasty teams, uh, like... If I don't have him already, like, I kind of want to get Rashad Penny, especially, mm. like, if he's on a non-contender team, like, because there's no <clears throat> real enthusiasm for him in Dynasty. Like, he's he's getting a little older now. He gets hurt all the time. But, like, the Eagles beat writers seem to think he is going to be the main early down back. Yeah. And I, I kind of buy it because we know yeah, DeAndre Swift doesn't. Swift can't run inside. Gainwell's kind of a smaller guy, too, even though yep. they've occasionally given him goal line touches for some reason. But, like, Penny, I think, could be the early down guy in this good offense that's going to have a lot of favorable game scripts and has a great offensive line. So um, I like him. And I've actually, like, warmed to Najee this year. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm back in on Najee. And I was kind of out last year, and it wasn't just the foot injury, but, like, I know I've kind of hated that Steelers offensive line, but now he's going to be running behind the best offensive line he's ever had because they went out and uh, signed what Nate Herbig and um, oh what's it Se- Semaloa, the other guard Isaac. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that. Hey, if you can pronounce his name, I'm going to let you do it. Isaac Seumalu, I think. Perfect, it is. perfect pronunciation. And, uh, perfect. Yeah, and they they traded up to draft Broderick. Broderick Jones so like this could be actually a good offensive line and should be the best one he's ever had in Pittsburgh and like he was dealing with a a Lisfranc injury last year and I know he's downplayed it and said that like it it 
wasn't an issue for him. But, I mean, the numbers kind of suggest it was. Over his first eight games, he averaged 59.1 yards from scrimmage a game. Over his last eight games, or last nine games, 87.8 yards. So basically 30 more yards a game uh, once he got a little bit healthier. So, like, I'm kind of in on him, and I think the Jalen Warren stuff is getting way overblown. I agree. Like, everyone wants to hype up Jalen Warren, and it's like... The thing about it, though, is... Look, Pat, I think, actually, Jalen Warren is a a good player to target. Because I think there's going to be... It's basically a two-headed monster there. Like, you know, Jalen Warren was good enough to secure the sort of secondary running back role on that team. You know, it's no longer going to be Najee Harris for, like you know, 120 targets and, you know, it's not going to be like that, but it's going to be Najee and Jalen. It's probably, you know, think Zeke Pollard, maybe a little bit more, you know, obviously I think Najee is better than the late last year, Zeke, you know what I mean? But like that type of thing where it's like, these are the two guys, you know, Jalen's got some pretty good explosion, but Najee's still the clear lead. He's going to get goal line. He's going to get a lot of targets. I think that's the other thing too, is he's a bit more of the, the pass catching back Najee is, so that sort of limits the upside of, of Jalen Warren, and that's different from the Pollard situation, right, where Pollard was clearly the better passing game player, where I think Najee sort of still that. But, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think both of them are values at this particular point because we've – look, the, you pointed it out. Things change from year to year. What happens is is Pittsburgh, especially in Ben's last season, had like the worst offensive line ever. Ben was like literally – he wasn't even finding the seams on the ball. He was just ca- catching it in the shotgun and then immediately throwing it into the ground. Like, it's like that was the play. Catch the ball and immediately throw it. I don't, it doesn't have to be open. Just immediately throw it, Ben. And so they, they did that. I mean, if you remember the fourth and 10 they had where they threw a swing pass to Najee five yes. yards behind the line of scrimmage, like that happened yeah. in Ben's last season. I mean, the offensive line was terrible, the play calling was non existent. And last year was sort of a transition year. This year, they do have a better offensive line, or at least on paper. I mean, they drafted what you mentioned, the Broderick kid. He's he's a monster. Like, they could have a very good offensive line this year. The weapons take a step up. I mean, Allen Robinson is whatever, but he doesn't have to be the the, the alpha. He's the third wide receiver on a team with George Pickens, Fryermuth, and, and DJ. It's a good little offense now. So I think I'm with you. I am totally buying in on Najee. I've been trying to sell him for two years in a couple of dynasty leagues. Nobody wants to buy him. So this year I picked him in the in the big game. I you know, I, I invested him in a startup because I agree with you. So I mean, you know, if you're trying to find targets at the running back position, Najee's a great, great buy right now. And I I still even with all that said, I, I love Jalen Warren. He's a great handcuff, and in deep, deep leagues, he'll also have uh, you know, flex appeal. Yeah. And and people I think Warren is good, but, but yeah. people it's sometimes a trap I think to to go for these guys who look really good in brief spurts cuz I right. and I've used this comparison before so like people have heard me say this before might be uh you know bored with me recycling material but I I feel like the difference between Najee and Jalen Warren is like the difference between a starting pitcher and a relief pitcher in baseball. Sure. Like Najee is getting used all the time. Najee has to go out there and throw 100 pitches and go right. seven innings. And Warren can come in and just pump fastballs because he, he's going to get his one series a half or whatever just to, right. to give Najee a breather. And, like, yeah, he's going to look like he was shot out of a cannon. It, it's going to be and, – and we sort of see that, like, oh, man, if this guy just got more work, well, no, then it, it would look 
a little different. You know, if well, that's was- my that that'll lead me to my next one, which is Khalil Herbert. So right now, uh, if I look, hold on, Khalil Herbert goes at RB forty on Underdog Best Ball. Jalen Warren RB forty five. They're not that far apart, man. Uh, Khalil Herbert goes one pick ahead of Elijah Mitchell. So I mean, these are they're basically valuing uh, you know Khalil Herbert as a backup player with upside god dang it isn't he more than that or am i am i the only one that sees this kid as a good football player does anybody else like i I feel like i'm taking crazy pills they they move on from david montgomery they did draft roshan i like roshan we can talk about him in a moment they did bring in dante foreman who you know come on now i mean but isn't khalil herbert the best back in 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 uh, chicago and should be you know just killing fools with him and, and Justin Fields. I feel like he probably is and is is probably the most versatile, like, uh, you know, definitely for home run speed and for, I'd like to think maybe there's some upside with his passing game usage. Sure. I, I think the Bears were like right behind the Eagles in terms I was gonna of say there's not much running there. back. Tar- yeah. yeah, I think they the, the Eagles had like 61 running back targets last year and the Bears had 62. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, but I like him, too. Um, I just feel like they are destined to use a committee Ugh. there. I know. like <laughs> Everybody's I, telling me. Yeah. Everybody and, you know, keeps like, telling me. I'm like, why don't – I mean, you know, committee to a, to a certain degree, but I feel like if it's literally a three-headed monster, it'll just – it'll infuriate me to no end, you know, where it's I just know. like they each get 120 carries, you know, all three of them, and it's like, Oh, and it's going to murder their value because, I mean, like Foreman, mm-hmm. like, had some big games last year, but it was when he was getting volume. He was getting, yeah. like, 20 or 30 carries exactly. and having these huge games. So, like, if he gets 10 – He's not going to move the needle it's in fantasy yeah. all, and, especially and without with, the targets. Yeah, same with Roshan. Because yep. like I don't, I don't think Roshan's going to be a prolific pass catcher, especially not in this offense. Right, and um, you know, like I mean, they might ramp up his usage a little bit late in the season if it's December and the Bears are playing a bunch of outdoor games. But yeah, I just I feel like it's going to be just this value killing timeshare, and plus Fields likes to call his own number quite a bit, so that's not going to help. It's, uh, yeah, bingo. Hey, what about um, Isaiah Pacheco? If Isaiah Pacheco can juke Dalvin into coming to Kansas City and and they kind of just remain how they are, is Isaiah Pacheco? I mean, is there a is there a cheaper running back? I mean, I don't you don't have to look, but like you know, philosophically, is there a cheaper running back right now who could easily score ten rushing touchdowns this year? No, I mean he does have like some of that Jamal Williams potential because right. like the Chiefs are. The Chiefs are probably going to be in a position to give him a lot of green zone carries. <laughs> right. And, you know, and I know that um, whereas the Lions were pretty no frills and would just hand it to Jamal Williams last year. And whereas the Chiefs, you know, like Patrick Mahomes is going to do a bunch of shovel passes uh, down by the goal line. Like that's inevitable to, to either Kelsey or Kadarius or someone like that. But they're going to score a lot of points. And, uh, you know, if they just want to be no frills and, and try to run the ball like you know Pacheco and he's got that violent running style where he just like runs as hard as he can whether there's someone in his way or not totally so yeah I mean he could absolutely get 10 rushing touchdowns this year you know and so I've had I think I sent you the link I was like uh saying something about uh, Nick Chubb being uh, better than Bijan Robinson this year uh re- replying to uh, David Gautieri who's a fellow East Coaster um, I'm on the West Coast now, but I am from the East Coast. Yeah, 
So we're, we're even if you live on the West Coast, but you're from the East Coast, you kind of take pride in being an East Coast. You're like, you know, get the fuck out of my way. I'm an East Coast type thing. Anyway, so but then you know, one of my you know whatever you call them, I, I think Matt calls them buzzards or whatever. The people who follow you and kind of you know get into your your takes and have fun. This guy says Daenerys Prince is better than Pacheco, and I'm like. I don't think so. You know, it's like, um, I can answer that question and it's probably not dude. You know, I mean, uh, this is, and, and what made me want to mention this on the pod was there is, so last year, I'll give you an example. Last year I was touting Jordan Mason and Julius Chestnut. I was saying these guys are, and, and, and before that James Robinson, right? And Elijah Mitchell, these were some of the guys, Ramondre Stevenson, we've called these guys. Now, but specifically in Jordan Mason and Julius Chestnut, it was like, if they got drafted, that was a huge win. After the draft, if they made the team, huge win. Look, I told you they were good. They have a chance. And, you know, Jordan Mason, if he can find his way into a backup role and someone eventually sometime gets hurt, like that's Jordan Mason's, like, you know, Top tier, you know, outcome for, for his career. Same thing with Daenerys Prince. Like this is, you just, what happens in, in Dynasty is we start to get enamored with our deep sleepers and we start to fill in these ranges of outcome that don't exist. And I'm not saying that it's impossible for Daenerys Prince to find his way into, you know, look, as Pacheco did, right? It's not impossible, but it's so improbable that you shouldn't be thinking that I'm going to go ahead and bet Daenerys Prince over Isaiah Pacheco. It just makes no earthly sense, especially once we've seen Isaiah Pacheco kind of steal everybody's lunch money, including former first-round pick Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I assume you couldn't agree more with anything that I've ever said than what I just said there. I totally agree with that. <laughs> I mean, like, to, to the guy who is the Daenerys Prince truther, right? I, I would just ask him, if a guy is... Six foot tall, 214 pounds, and clocks a 4.41, as Daenerys Prince did. Yeah, that's right. And then goes undrafted. That's probably a bad sign, right? Yeah. A guy, a, a guy with good size, like almost prototypical NFL running back size, and 4.4 speed, and he goes undrafted. There's something there that NFL teams aren't digging about his game. So, like... You can never say never at running back, man, because right. it's so much uh, about circumstances. And, I mean, we see guys come out of the fog all the time. And would I be surprised totally. if Daenerys Prince all of a sudden became this guy that, you know, in redraft leagues, people were bidding half their fab budget on right. in, in week seven. Totally. You know, after, after you know, if, if there was some catastrophic injury for Isaiah Pacheco and, like, Prince came in and had a, a great second half performance after, if you think uh, about it he has a similar not the same but similar profile to isaiah pacheco you know late round pick good size tremendous speed and electricity you know um you know look Daneric prince was a was an sec recruit transferred uh i don't know the whole story there but he you know was he's at, at a m right and then yeah he was to, at a m exactly tulsa so, or tulane uh tulsa, tulsa. And, and never really Killed it at Tulsa. I mean, he topped out at 126 carries and five touchdowns. So, you know, topped out at nine receptions. I mean, you know, so it's not like the profile is that good. I mean, maybe there's a, a little bit of um, uh, what's a 
you know, the kid from Florida, uh, uh, Damian Pierce stuff here where he was more effective than, than the, the, the raw numbers show. I, I have not d- dove deep into generic Prince. I'm aware of him. I picked him up in several leagues off of waivers after the draft. I am rostering generic Prince in many leagues happily on a taxi squad right now. And yeah, I'm basically assuming that nothing will happen. But if, if he finds his way onto the field, it's certainly possible that he is some sort of proxy of, of uh, Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's like, he's got a chance for sure. But I mean, would I bet on him over Pacheco? No. Not even I'd, close. I'd, right. Because be Pacheco's proven odds. it and he's gained favor in that locker room. And, the, you know, as of now, I, I'm also a little bit skeptical of Pacheco for the same reasons I was skeptical of, um, you know, James Robinson after his rookie year. Like, it's not just clear sailing for him. It's not. Um, now, he avoided the draft. That happened. So that's great. But yeah. he hasn't avoided free agency. You know, the Fournette, the Dalvin, the, you know, right. there's still ways that this could all go bad for, you know, McKinnon and, and Pacheco uh, in that offense. Um, you know, I don't think former first round pick Clyde Edwards Hilaire will be doing anything to change their uh, fantasy, uh, you know, uh, you know, outcomes, but you know, it, it's still, they're still not out of the woods as we like to say, right? No, we've got all these unsigned running backs, man. They're the value vampires. We got to yep. get these, you know, walk the streets. If you want to protect the value of your dynasty running backs, put a, a, you know, cloves of garlic around your neck and, uh, yep. you, you got to ward off these value vampires cause they will poach carries from your guys happens every year happens every year hey any other quick ones that you want to mention uh just you know just without even discussing just some of the guys i might not have let you uh mention no i i think that's about it i think we covered the main guys i mean i, I, I like i, I like, like miles sanders do you like miles sanders i i kind of do kind of yeah. i mean they actually have a good offensive line in carolina and i yeah. like i think they're going to want to take exactly yeah take heat off their rookie quarterback so um, what about cam Akers? i like cam Akers. i do too man and i i'm kind of amused but well you know obviously except for you know sony michelle oh yeah totally to totally. uh steal all his value <laughs> but like it is kind of amusing that all these people think zach evans is going to walk in and like do you think cam Akers is better than quinn sean judkins the right. freshman at old miss last year who uh like zach evans basically lost his job to like but even if zach evans is like what like if he's good, it's very unlikely that he just takes it from Cam Akers. But if he's good, it it means he gets like a hundred, hundred and something yeah. carries. That's fine. That that was a, the James Robinson role behind ETN last year. Like ETN was still eating, you know. I mean, I think that's kind of like the best case scenario. Not best case, but most likely good case scenario for Zach Evans. And then like I think Cam Akers is gonna get a lot. Um they started to trust him down the stretch, same coaching staff in place. Um you know, I don't think, you know, I think they're going to kind of go for it and let him, you know, run the wheels off him. I don't think they, they have any long-term plans with Cam Akers. It's just he's the best thing they possibly can have. I like him at at his cost. Uh, I don't like DeAndre Swift at his cost at all. Um, it's very scary. As you pointed out, the uh, running back targets in Philly are are, are nothing. Um, I'm, you're with me there. What about Rashad White at RB27? Feels like stealing money right now, right? He was the guy I was just going to, to mention. And even though, like, I, I'm not – under the illusion that he's going to be a workhorse for them. Like they, I think the Bucs are one of those teams that's going to add a running back. Like one of the value vampires probably ends up in Tampa. 
but um, like I, well, I probably like, not one of the good ones because if you're a good one, you don't want to go to fucking Tampa. They're gonna be right. they're not gonna be good. Baker Mayfield, like who's Baker Mayfield recruiting? So I don't disagree with you, but I also don't think it's gonna be like Dalvin. You know? No, it could be like Kareem Hunt or James yeah. Robinson, one of those yep. guys. And, and what what I like about White is I. I just think he's going to have a long NFL career because he's good in the passing game as both a pass catcher and a pass blocker. Like the fact that none of those guys like Keyshawn Vaughn or Ronald Jones could like get in the field because those like the Buccaneers worried about Tom Brady getting killed by those guys like blowing their blocks. And they weren't worried about Rashad White. They put him on the field as a rookie. And by the end of the season, he was, you know, it was basically a 50-50 with him and Fournette. I totally agree. And and I think the best, you know, value handcuff right now is Elijah Mitchell. Um, because I think, you know, look, if they're playing a shit team, like if they're favored by 10 points in a game, like against Arizona, you can start Elijah Mitchell when they play Arizona because they're not going to leave CMC in there to run the fourth quarter. It's going to be Elijah Mitchell. He's going to have backdoor finishes of like 80 yards and two touchdowns in certain games when they're like heavily favored. And so he's going to have flex appeal. And if anything happens to CMC, I mean, oh, <laughs> he's an RB1. And, right. Yeah, exactly. Then he's a, a top five or top ten running back. <laughs> right. League. I mean, yeah. immediately. So I, I love Elijah Mitchell for that reason, especially in like redraft right now, or obviously in Dynasty, if you can, you know, fashion a trade that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, that's those are some of the running backs I really like. You know, Kendra Miller's sneaky right now. I, I don't know his path. I mean, but if if Kamara gets suspended and you know maybe it's so ugly and in the press and all of a sudden it's ten games and they're like eh let's just shut him down and it could be just two headed monster with him and Jamal and you know they could start to lean a little bit to Kendra down the stretch because you know he's good and so that, that's another sneaky one in in redraft that you can maybe just kind of back of the back of the roster uh, you know again over Isaiah Hodgins. Draft a guy like Kendra Miller and redraft, but obviously in Dynasty, everybody knows uh, you know who Kendra Miller is. So yeah, but there it is. Those are the guys I like. Yeah, I like those because Kendra Miller is really interesting. You know, yeah, um, I, I could see him having a significant role this year, but like it wouldn't shock me if if you know maybe the Camara suspension doesn't come or it's shorter yeah. than we think it's going to be. Like. Yeah, kind of a and wide range of outcomes. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. But, like, I, I think he's going to get his shot eventually. So, like, I, I don't feel, even if, as a play for 2023, I, I'm sort of tepid. I'm out, him. me too. But as a, too. a longer-term play, like, I, I like his talent and, you know, I like his were prospect you, profile. Were you A-Chain or Kendra in rookie drafts or other? Did you kind of pass them both? I'm a huge A-Chain fan, Oh, man. this is like, so I. I think he's going to be Warwick Dunn. I really oh, do. So good. Like I, his contact balance for a smaller guy, and, and obviously the speed. I mean, yes. he's just a, a monster. Like his, I think his best uh, two hundred meters time would have finished like sixth at the last Olympics. Yes. Like he can fucking fly, and yes. like he averaged like twenty three point six touches a game for Texas A and M last yes, year because that offense was garbage. It was a chain and nothing else. Yeah. And like they'd run him between the tackles. And, and like every he, film guy I trust loved his ability between the tackles. It, you know, his he performed well between the tackles. So now, granted, he's not going to profile as a specifically a, a between the tackles player at the NFL. But because he's good at it, they can. He's not Jarek McKinnon, right? You know no, what I mean? 
You he's see what I'm saying? Naheem Hines, exactly. Right. People are going to dismiss him out of hand because he's sub 200 pounds, but this is not, this is a different kind of cat. Like this yeah. guy is, he bounces off tackles. Yep. I, I, I started drafting a chain with reckless abandon in all my rookie drafts and then got a little nervous. So I started sh- shifting a little bit back to, to <laughs> Kendra. I was like, I need to just fucking cool off on this. But obviously if he hits, you know, that's the other thing too. He's an exciting player in that offense, you know, with Hill and Waddle, there's going to be some opportunity. I was saying like when it's third and 18 and they throw him a swing pass, it's like, Oh, you know, normally it's like, right. oh, whatever they gave up the play. Now you're going to be like, Oh, he's got a chance to fucking go all the way. <laughs> it's yes. like, it's like a, Right. You know, he's that kind of player in that offense. Yeah, man. I mean, like that, that was the sort of, uh, you know, like he won a game like that when he was a freshman, a bowl game. I I forget who they were playing. Uh, Man, was it maybe North Carolina? I think it was North Carolina where like he, uh, you know, like it was a sweep left and it was, who was that slow tight end for Texas A&M? Wattemeyer. Yeah, Wattemeyer, Wittermeyer. He like actually pulls from the right side around to like lead uh, (laughs) A-chain on this this pitch left. And like the the guy that Wittemeyer was blocking, like kind of pulls him down and A-chain like starts to trip over Wittemeyer, but then like, gets his feet and runs it at like 80 yards for the, the game-winning touchdown. Like that. Yeah, I remember when Jalen Wattemeyer was like this supposed, uh, you know, awesome, you know, tight end oh for rookie drafts, and he ran like a 501 5-2 or something. Or something. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, it's like, oh, <laughs> never <shit>. mind. <laughs> Me and Pat Fitzmorris at 27 years old yeah, uh, exactly. can run faster than that. <laughs> and on that note, we will, we, will let them all, we will let them all go, baby. Tell the people where they can find your awesome work at Fantasy Pros, Mr. Pat Fitzmorris. Oh, buddy, thank you so much for having me on. This was an honor. Always love chopping it up with you. And Thanks, uh, people can find my stuff at fantasypros.com. And, uh, you know, check me out on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Yeah, man. I, I do recommend checking out uh, Pat's uh, podcast, even the ones I'm not on, which, you know, no, I'm joking. But, um, no, really, it's a, it's a great pod. It moves fast. You uh, you cover a lot of ground. You're so brilliant. You're really a true pro at producing the show and making it um, something that is enjoyable to watch. And I, I say that honestly, I, I don't always say that you do such a great job. So thanks for doing the same with this show. You were awesome. I know that people are going to love it. Uh, for those who are first time listeners to this show, you know, you guys can find all of my work and our work at the This show has been around for a couple of years now. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this show. And again, check us out at the undroppables.com. Uh, at the Undroppables on uh, Twitter. Of course, I am Jax Falcone at Dino Game Theory. And on behalf of everybody here at the Undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at the Undrafted, on behalf of the greatest podcast producer that has ever walked the planet, Mr. Michael P. Duncan, you have been joined today by the great Pat Fitzmaurice. I am Jax Falcone, and we are out. Out.